I'm Rechaf Neberg. And I'm Duncan McLeod. This is Talk Central episode 131 for the week starting 11 August 2015. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central, where you'll find South Africa's best technology journalism. That's right, Duncan. No headlines like SA's most fattening beers, wine, cocktails and shooters. <laughs> no, only sober <laughs> technology news on Tech Central. On Talk Central this week, we talk about the huge shakeup at Google and we talk about the latest drama at the Department of Telecommunications. Also this week, the world's richest tech billionaires, according to Forbes, and we look at the rather odd developments at AfriHost. Before we get to all of that, though, we need to pay the bills. As always, we'll be back in just a moment. The Vox Telecom Cloud is the future of business. Developed from the ground up, it's a turnkey, fully managed approach to the cloud. It offers you guaranteed support, a national network with true redundancy, fully managed services across all layers, and most importantly, a single point of accountability. The Vox Telecom Cloud. It's how cloud should be. To find out more about the Vox Telecom Cloud, SMS your name to 45454 or visit voxtelecom.co.za. Standard rate supply. Welcome to the show. Hi, Rafa. How's it going? Good. Enjoy a long weekend. Yeah, it was good to get away. Yeah. I incidentally had some beers that probably made me very fat, but uh, yeah, it was good to have some time off. Oh, great, great. You were down in uh, in Clarence. Clarence, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. Sampled some of the Clarence breweries. Beers awesome for awesome. the umpteenth time. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I was in the opposite direction up in uh, near Polokwane in the uh, forests around Hainitzburg uh, doing some trail running. Oh wow! And um, I can hardly walk for the <laughs> effort I put in over the weekend, but uh, it was good fun. It was uh, nice nice to get away and uh, away from the technology for a while as well. Yeah, it was good to yeah not to look at my phone at all. It was. I oh, didn't you? Very it's refreshing. Well done, yeah, well yeah. Done. Well done. Well done. We were sitting on the edge of a 3G area, so uh, depending which room you were in, there was reception okay, or no okay. reception. So. Yeah, yeah. You'll always find that kind of thing out, right? Make yeah. sure you know where the best reception is. Absolutely. <laughs> anyway, let's get on to the news this week. And um, stunning announcement from Google overnight um, that they're restructuring the company quite fundamentally uh, mm. and creating a new business holding company, effectively, called Alphabet, which is going to have Google as its principal subsidiary as well as um, a, r- a range of other Google businesses like Nest and uh, the very, and its, you know, its um, venture capital businesses and all the other businesses that don't qu- quite fit within the Google mandate. Mm. Um, I love the name, personally, Alphabet, uh, play on uh, language, of course, but also on the fact that um, many of these businesses that the company is going to be investing are going to be bets in mm. alpha stage companies mm. oh that's clever yeah yeah um, it's a really really cool name and uh, probably the coolest website on the planet right now <laughs> at abc.xyz yeah very interesting url um, but I think it was inevitable for, for for Google to do something like this I mean for one entity to become so big and to have all their brands fall, un, fall under it mm. uh, I th- I'm sure it presented some uh, some headaches from from a business point of view um, I, I think it also shows that um, that Larry Page, uh, for one, and, and, and his co-founder Sergey Brin, um, are not done yet. They mm. um, they could have easily settled into the good life of uh, the operational management of the world's most powerful search engine company. Yeah, but they've decided not to do that, and they've in fact point, appointed a new CEO for Google. Um, and they've uh, they've well, certainly Larry Page has um, extricated himself from the day-to-day management of the search engine business. 
uh, to focus on, I guess, moonshot projects, many of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, that company has quite a, had, had quite a taste for that kind of thing up until now. Yes, I mean, it has, yeah. If you look at all the really interesting things that they've done, some of them stuck around, some of them didn't. Mm. Um, but it's certainly a company that loves uh, venturing into different and interesting things. Yeah, and yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess... Um, I guess Larry Page would have just gotten bored if he was focusing just on search mm. engine technology all yeah, the time. Yeah. Uh, and um, I, I guess, I mean, at this level and at, at that level in American technology businesses, I, there's always this um, um, will, what, there's this desire, I think, by these 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 guys to be seen as the great innovators of yeah, their time. Yeah. Um, and I guess Larry Page doesn't want to be outdone by someone like Elon Musk, for example. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And this will give them a lot more clout, too. I mean, to have all of your, your eggs in one basket, so to speak, under mm, the Google brand. Yeah. I think it does restrict you somewhat. And also, perhaps this is a sign of, uh, the, you know, Google obviously being a very strong search engine. But it, they, don't, they, don't want, they don't want that massive business to be a, such a big focus of the, the company, essentially. Mm. Mm. Um, and you know, with with a lot of these American antitrust laws, you know, they they could be some. Yeah. You know, when when they get too big, there's a, there's a different set of problems well, for them as well. Some people have been speculating that this deal may actually, um, that perhaps that this wasn't the reason for the deal, but one of the happy side effects of it, and perhaps one of the intended consequences of it, is that it'll allow um, Google, or I should say Alphabet, uh, to acquire Twitter more easily yes. without too much regulatory. Also without certainly without the level of regulatory oversight, perhaps that a, a Google acquisition would have done. For sure, for sure, that that actually does make a lot of sense. Um, and like I said, you know, it's obviously to 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 negate that potential problem of, you know, having those antitrust laws mm. thrown at you. You know, if you are too big, a bigger company, we know we we've seen what happens in the internet age. Um, and no, no one want, no one wants to become the next Microsoft. Yeah, exactly. So Microsoft was taken on by. Um, Trust, but federal trust busters, and uh, the company lost focus for many mm. years because mm. of that investigation. And 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 I think that's the right word, focus. I mean, if Google mm. can become its own thing again, so to speak, um, you know, I, th- I think the focus for the other businesses will be far sharper. Yeah. Um, yeah. Than, than having all these Google self-drive cars, yeah. you know, under a search engine essentially. Yeah. It's a great name, and we've and it's kind of built. Uh, they've always played off each other. You know, that works. It makes it makes sense from that perspective as well. You're right. It, it, it gives a logical structure to the business. It was always kind of weird. Why is a search engine building a self-driving car mm-hmm. um, suddenly under under a new holding entity? It makes eminent sense. Yeah, it would, yeah. It's certainly more logical sense uh, than having it housed inside a search engine. Exactly. And Alphabet now is its own company. Oh, I think we're going to see some really interesting things. It's it's we're certainly going to be keeping a close eye on what they're going to do now because. They've shown that they don't mm. don't always conform to the normal rules that we've expected from mm. internet businesses. Yeah, yeah. But I would I would not be surprised that within the next six months we see Google announce an acquisition of of Twitter. Uh, you reckon th- you'll make a stake like that? I think so. I think it's going to happen. I mean, Google Plus has failed mm. to all mm. intents and purposes. That was Google's biggest bet so far on social media. Um, Facebook is by far the, now the dominant player in social media. You just have to look at the company's market capitalization. I think it's closing in, if not already, over uh, a quarter of a trillion dollars. Sure. Um, it's Google's market value. Uh, sorry, Facebook's market valuation is 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 more than half of Google's now. Um, it's become a serious competitor in the internet space, and Google really needs to have something in the social media environment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether Twitter is the right play, I don't know, because you know Twitter's lost ha- hasn't had focus for a long time, and it's not clear what the um, what the monetization model is for Twitter. Um, yeah. I mean, I see ads on my phone 
in my Twitter stream, but you know how effective is it? I, I find them more annoying than anything yeah, else. Yeah. Um, again, search. You can argue that search, if, if Google has access to all that data, mm. and they can create their own APIs for whatever they need to on the Twitter side of it, Google could also because I use Twitter as, a, as an incredible resource for information. I mean, yeah, my favorites is. list is four thousand long already of wow. essentially bookmarks that I, and links and stuff that I save. If Google can tap into that, I think, mm. and also into the history of uh, uh, sorry, also into the history of, yeah. of Twitter's Twitter streams. You know, yeah. there's many years of, of data there. Uh, I think I think that could be a very valuable thing for Google. Yeah. Anyway, Google Alphabet, we'll be watching that with a great deal of interest over the coming months and years. Mm. Um, let's come back to South Africa for the rest of the news this week. And um, interesting developments going on at the Department of Telecommunications and Postal Services. Um, I, th- I think this has all happened since we recorded the last podcast. Uh, Sia Bongo Pwele, the minister, um, has basically called in the Public Service Commission to conduct a third-party investigation into uh, what he has described as the dysfunction in the department. Um, and has moved to suspend the Director General, Rosie Sakese, um, pending the outcome of this investigation. Um, um, I think that's the right move. Uh, you can't have... Um, I, I think you have to get the the, the, the the person who's intimately involved in a lot of the issues that the probe is going to focus on out of the way while it, while it takes place. Um, but so there's been a lot of staff losses there. The, they've lost a lot of their Deputy Directors General... Um, who uh, I think um, need to shoulder some of the blame as well for the mess in the department. It's not all the fault of the DG. But um, it's, this department has been dysfunctional for many years and is not producing the sort of policies that the ICT industry so desperately needs, for example, and probably most crucially, this policy on spectrum, mm-hmm. um, high-demand spectrum, that the operators need to deploy their next-generation 4G and eventually 5G networks. Um, but there are lots of other policies that are that are just not being produced and there is an opportunity now I think and I I read this in my column this week um, for uh, the minister to use this opportunity to to um, really install some some competent people um, high level people pretty much what happened at SARS I think the the revenue service where they took uh, uh, the organization and turned it around and and brought in expertise from the private sector and really built a powerful organization in government now i think there's the opportunity to do the same here in a in a critical sector and i just hope that the opportunity isn't squandered um but um i think a positive development and a welcome development that siabonga koile has decided to move to try and fix the dysfunction in this department one just hopes that the public service commission investigation doesn't just come in and say well you know things aren't really that bad and put all the old people back in again um because i think that's just going to continue to lead to the problems that we've had until now So let's hope there's um, let's hope there's some real progress in fixing um, fixing the mess in the Department of Telecommunications and Postal Service because it is a crucial government department, and its lack of um, of action on crucial issues is um, is is undermining uh, the potential for economic growth in it's, and and the growth of the ICT sector in particular. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it sad that we're seeing the same same thread though through every government department out there? Really, I think not even SARS these days is is as efficient as what it uh, used mm. to be. No. Um, yeah, let's hope we see some shake up there. Absolutely. Some uh, good news this uh, past week has been the the news from MTN. Um, in fact, it came out of a question I asked at the annual results 
uh, last Wednesday, I think it was now, um, about the ACE cable, which is a cable that was built primarily by Orange, the big French telecommunications operator. One of these subsea cables that uh, was planned to come down to South Africa, but never quite made it yet. It was uh, it uh, extends from uh, France uh, down to West Africa. I think Guinea-Bissau uh, on the African West Coast is the last market it reaches. But MTN has now invested, uh, announced that they're going to be investing $50 million into the consortium that built this cable, the Orange-led consortium, and that the cable will now be extended to Cape Town. Mm. Uh, so this is another high-capacity cable. I think it's also a 5 terabit per second design capacity cable, so same capacity as the WAX West African cable system, uh, cable which follows a very similar route along Africa's west coast. Um, and another major provider of international bandwidth to South Africa, so the only outcome I can see it from this is that bandwidth is going to get better and cheaper again. Yeah, definitely. And also, yeah, I mean, redundancy, I guess. If, if and redundancy. And absolutely. redundancy, yeah, mm. yeah. Because the old SAT3 cable is so slow, relatively speaking to these two new cables, that it can't really provide the sort of redundancy that you we're going to need in the future. Yeah. So I think great news that uh, MTN is going to be working with the consortium to bring the cable down to South Africa. Yeah, definitely. And with, with fiber to the home uh, network deploying rapidly, uh, we're going to need a lot more bandwidth. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's be honest. Absolutely. Uh, more access to bandwidth. Absolutely. I wonder if they'll be giving Afria some of that uh, bandwidth at, at reduced costs. But we'll, we'll get to that later. <laughs> well, let's, let's talk about AfriHost now, actually. It kind of segues nicely into the AfriHost uh, discussion. Um, and, uh, again, interesting comments last week coming out of um, Teso Nyati, uh, a brief interview I had with him after the results as well. And I asked him about AfriHost because there's been lots of concern about uh, network quality on the AfriHost network um, in, in recent months. And... Um, a lot, lot of speculation about you know what's happening there, and he was quite frank and open with me. I was, was quite surprised at um, at how open he was with me about the the, the issues, and they're all a bit strange. I, I find um, AfriHost, of course, in the old days, many years ago, used to use Internet Solutions as its backhaul provider, and they then moved across to MTN. I'm not sure what all the mechanics of that move were, but presumably they were offered all sorts of incentives and sweet deals in terms of bandwidth supply from from MTN on a, on a backhaul or a, or a wholesale pers- perspective, mm-hmm. rather. Um, and they moved across to MTN, and then uh, last year MTN bought the company, uh, paid 408 million rand, I think it was for uh, to, um, to to buy uh, AfriHost, um, and 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 they've been having all sorts of problems with uh, with 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 capacity in recent months. So um, yeah, so so AfriHost um, has been uh, testing um, uh, wholesale services with other providers. The rumor is that they've been working with Neotel as a wholesale data mm. provider. Um, and, and then, uh, so I put this to Mteto uh, last week, and, and he said that, um, uh, you know, he said, and I'm, I'm quoting, if the company can, if AfriHost can source better wholesale prices elsewhere, then it's welcome to do so, even if that means less traffic flowing across MTN's wholesale infrastructure. Um, so effectively what they're saying is that, you know, AfriHost, if you can get a better deal elsewhere, then, then go elsewhere, so, which kind of raises the question, well, why did they buy AfriHost in the first place? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a very strange uh, sequence of events that's happened here. Yeah. I mean, I as a uh, you know I've been a Afrihost and an MTN client for many years. The, the, the synergy between those two businesses work very well for me uh, because of their their data, yeah. uh, the way that they sell data, especially across a, an MTN a subscribers device or yes. network. Yes. Um, and 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 I always thought it was a good move from MTN to do so, simply because it now owns a really good business a good looking business yes. I think yes. um, that's that's in many, in pioneered some really interesting things in many ways especially if you look at their, their back end panels that allows you to 
reset your telephone line. Uh, yeah, take the over back-end it. service is fantastic. Yeah, and, and their support also very good, I found, uh, in my experience at least. Then for, for MTN to turn around and say to, to you know their own company that they may, might as well get bandwidth elsewhere if, if, because we can't give it to you cheaper, yeah. it's very odd. And it also shows that, in, I don't know what MTN's uh, commitments are like towards uh, Afrios these days anymore. Yeah. It's... Um, yeah, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. Um, it'll be interesting to see what's what's going to be the tur- uh, the turn turnout of this. Um, but at the end of the day, if it affects Afria services and the bandwidth quality, mm. uh, yeah, it could be a problem. Yeah, and it's a, it's a it's a fascinating one. Uh, um, I, I, I find it a, a very odd, but. Um, Anyway, let's see what the outcome of this is. I, I just I just find it very strange that, you know, the rumor is that they're talking to Neotel they, for this test network they're running at the moment with some of their customers. Um, you know, Neotel's about to be bought for Vodacom. Um, is MTN really going to allow a subsidiary to buy its wholesale bandwidth from, from the, direct competitor, competitor, yeah. the direct competitor in the, in the telecoms market? It's, it's um, all a bit odd. But anyway, uh, let's watch the story uh, unfold over the next few months. Um, the other one that caught my eye this week was a piece in Forbes magazine about the 100 richest people in technology. Uh, not one of them from Africa. Um, in fact, 40% of them live in, live California, in California, which just tells you something about uh, the level of, of uh, wealth creation in the technology, in the technology industry in yeah, that part of the world. Yeah. It's all Silicon Valley. Mm, mm. Well, if you're not there, definitely the place to be for, for this kind of thing. And I'm yeah. sure... If you are a billionaire or close to being a billionaire, I mean, you're gonna you're gonna want to spend your time there to get access to all these people. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It's the hub. Anyway, no surprise about who came in number one. Doesn't live in California. Uh, Bill Gates, <laughs> uh, who's worth how much? Seventy. Uh, 79.6 billion dollars 79.6 let's call it 80 billion dollars what's, no, what's 400 million dollars yeah. between friends <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, although it, 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 Forbes pointed out less than 13% of his estimated fortune now comes from Microsoft shares uh, sure. having diversified a lot of that um, that, that that's, um, place so Larry Ellison is second his net wealth has gone up to 50 billion dollars so uh, still a healthy thirty billion dollars behind Bill Gates, which no doubt bugs him enormously. Yeah, I'm sure there's a little club going, a club bet <laughs> going on. And I was quite surprised who's in number three place now, and it's Jeff Bezos from Amazon, hmm. worth net, net worth estimated at forty-seven point eight billion dollars. Sure. Um, and uh, rounding out the top ten, just as a matter of interest, in fourth place is Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook, of course. Uh, fifth is uh, Larry Page uh, and Ser- Sergey Brin, or fifth and sixth places, I guess. Um, Jack Ma from uh, Alibaba is in seventh. Then another Microsofty or ex-Microsofty is Steve Barmer. Uh, interesting bit number nine uh, is uh, Steve Jobs' widow, Laureen Powell Jobs. And uh, in final place is Michael Dell, the founder hmm. of Dell Computer. Yeah, they're still going strong. I mean, they're one of the few guys that actually still d- develop good Windows-based devices. They went through a very uh, difficult patch when Michael Dell left the company, and they, mm, they got into they a did, lot of trouble. But did. he's back at the company now, and he seems to be doing good things. Um, the the company seems to be uh, back on track. Yeah, yeah. And, and 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 expanding into a whole new range of new areas, including services and that sort of stuff. So they're not just a PC company anymore. Yeah, yeah. Of imagination. Yeah, I suppose. I guess following the same sort of line that many other PC vendors have followed over the years, mm, I, IBM mm. and HP and all the others. It's interesting not to see uh, to see our old Elon Musk on this list. I think he's in the top hundred. I'd, I'd have to go back and top look at the Forbes yeah. list, but he's certainly not in the top ten. 
Um, I guess he hasn't made. Um, I mean, a lot of his businesses are still in the sort of um, uh, formation phase. I guess. I mean, I'm sure. I mean, Tesla's been around for a while, but you know, the potential for these businesses, SpaceX is is almost like a startup business, even though it's sure. you know sure. multi-billion-dollar business. It's still it's still kind of feels like a startup business, as does almost Tesla for for that matter. Yeah, you're right. Um, you're right. I, I've got no doubt he's a he's a very wealthy man, but um, but not enough to make the top ten yet list mm. here yet. Um, cool. Let's move on to our regular features um, for this week. Um, I think our, our winner this week is, uh, is Telcom and Business Connection for consummating their deal at last. The uh, conditions attached by the uh, Competition Commission or the Competition Tribunal certainly don't look onerous. Uh, it took over a year for this deal to actually happen, uh, through, just for it to go through the regulatory processes. But it's mm. been it's been done now and will f- formally be consummated on the first of September. Um, and puts, I think the company is in quite a strong position now. Um, puts, certainly puts Telcom in a much stronger position in the IT services market, um, uh, arguably putting it ahead of um, its rivals in the telecommunications industry, uh, particularly Vodacom and MTN, in having a, a robust, strong presence in, the, in that um, in that market. Mm. And uh, will also make them a, a more serious player in the data center cloud, cloud, cloud computing markets as well. So it took a while, but that uh, deal is now done. Our loser this week is uh, the uh, is Neotel um, and potentially Vodacom uh, because of, I don't know if you followed the the Mail and Guardian over the last couple of weeks and the the sensational stories it's been running about the corruption scandal at Neotel. Yeah, it's crazy. And Transnet, uh, the CEO and the CFO um, have been implicated uh, in uh, potentially paying kickbacks to secure a contract at um, at Transnet uh, worth well cumulatively worth over two billion rand, sure. uh, paid to a company called Homex. Very little is known about Homex and the individuals behind it. Um, no doubt the details will come out over time. Um, but uh, I think more seriously, this um, is what this means for the potential acquisition of Neotel by Vodacom. Um, certainly Vodafone, is, uh, Vodacom's parent, is, is not going to um, look lightly on this. Um, mm. And mm. the company, being UK-based, is subject to quite some quite stringent foreign anti-corrupt, anti-corruption legislation. And um, you know, if it comes to it, I've got no doubt that Vodafone would tell Vodacom to walk away from this if 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 the if if, if this thing is tainted. Yeah, it's um, a high risk. If I mean, if, yeah, exactly. If that is true. Obviously. Yeah. Um, so it couldn't have come at a worse time for either Vodacom or Neotel. Um, but uh, I guess the details, uh, or more details, will come out in the, in the coming weeks. And once the uh, once Neotel itself and its auditors have had a chance to scrutinise what these payments were to this company called Homex and why they were made. And whether whether bribery and corruption were involved, mm. um, and uh, I guess we'll we'll know in in a few weeks, hopefully, probably more of a few months, um, some, some more detail on on, on uh, what the implications are for both Neotel and for Vodacom and for the two executives um, at Neotel who have been uh, who have been now been placed on special leave, uh, who are implicated um, by this whole um, scandal that's erupted. But uh, bizarre story. Bizarre story. Mm. Um, we'll keep a we'll keep a close eye on that as Tech Central. Richard, what's your pick this week? So the app pick that I have this week is a, a new a social network of sorts called Beam. Um, it's an app that was developed by filmmaker and a YouTube vlogger Casey Neistat. I'm sure some of our listeners would be following him already. Uh, he's done some interesting things in video work uh, for quite a while. Now, his new app, um, Beam, essentially Be Me, uh, is his take on, on 
sharing your life on a social media platform without without the the hindrance of the screen in front of you, as, as you'd like to put it. Um, and essentially, what this app allows you to do is uh, that you know, there's no screen that you look at when you when you actually do do the recording, um, but. By holding up your camera, um, it makes some very clever use of the, the light sensor and it records um, everything in front of you um, and automatically shares it as a four-second clip. Um, so it's, it's almost like a very minimalistic video sharing service. People can only view it's, it's similar to Snapchat where people can only view the, the video once, Okay. Um, which is quite interesting, obviously. Um, and there's no likes or hearts or anything to show that you, you like the clip you've just seen. All that you do is you, uh, you tap on the screen um, and you essentially send a selfie of yourself to the, pers- to the video creator or to the, to the content creator. Okay. Um, it's it's a very interesting application. It's still very rough. Uh, when I started using it just after launch, I mean, there's been a few revisions of it since, and it's a lot smoother now. Um, as with any of these social networks, it needs critical mass. It needs enough people to use it consistently mm. to, to, to work well. Um, and as interesting as what it is, I'm not sure if it'll get that. Yeah. Um, there has been some criticism of it where people say it, it's, it is very simplistic. Yeah. Um, and apart from... Apart from the sometimes low quality videos you see, or often low quality videos you see, um, there's not much more to it. I've been enjoying it by recording a few things on and off. Let me just quickly show you what it looks like. So obviously you have your your app open. Um, it uses the light sensor, and as soon as either my finger, but the idea is that you hold it up to your chest, okay. so I can walk around, and then whatever I record would obviously be posted after four seconds. It uses buzzing, so you know when the four seconds happen, and you can string four second videos, so you can create. Um, multiple videos uh, that people can view at once. Okay. If you want to view something, you obviously watch. Uh, you follow people. If there's anybody that I want to follow, click on their name. I hold it in. The video loads. Yeah. Your finger needs to be on the screen the whole time, um, but I can move it around. Uh, it's it's a little bit slow there. Now I can load, and this obviously this. Is this video. live right now? No, it's not live. Not live this, no. this is this is all recorded video. Okay. But I can essentially only see it once. It's just a low angle video shot of probably somewhere in New York, it seems. Brooklyn, maybe. So, so it's see, quite similar to Snapchat in concept. It's quite similar. You can see he's strung, strung an, a multiple number of four second videos together to, to kind of create a visual storyline. Right. Um, and if I, if I like it, we can just tap on it. And the idea is that you, it, it's, it's, it's sharing, sharing a true version of yourself or, or what you see yeah. and when you when you like something tapping on the screen the person sees you so it's facial interaction or facial representation of your reaction okay. to the video okay. it's very interesting I'm not sure of the hist- uh, I'm not sure what the future holds in store for, for Beam um, but I'll certainly be playing with it uh, for a while still okay cool 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 is that iOS only at the stage or it's iOS only they are working on a uh, Android version okay um, best place to get hold of the the link is at beam um, app on Twitter okay. or we'll post a link to the to the uh, Apple iTunes uh, okay. download link okay cool cool my pick this week is an is an audio book or just a book actually. Um, I've been I've been consuming a lot of Audible lately in my car. Um, there's some really great books out at the moment on uh, on the tech industry, mm. uh, and one I particularly enjoyed, which I finished uh, about two weeks ago, was a book called Losing the Signal by Jackie McNish and Sean Silkoff, who are two journalists from the Globe and Mail in Canada, um, and they wrote they've written a brilliant book called Losing the Signal about the rise and fall of BlackBerry. 
a really good read. Uh, they've interviewed the founders, a lot of the executives who are involved in at the, in the company, you know, in its early stages or its later stages. They, they interviewed um, Jim Balsillie and, and, and Mike mm-hmm. Lazaridis in detail um, uh, and, and a lot of the sort of employees and people who were involved and knew them uh, and, and have really put together this really, it reads like a thriller, especially in the second half where they talk about the downfall of BlackBerry. The first half, half is really about how, how the company really took off and mm. and how it's, um, you know, how, how it really sort of had, had a huge impact in, in, in an environment where people were using pages uh, in the late 1990s um, and, and how, they, how they really took off and then how they were blindsided by the iPhone. Um, mm. it, and it goes into how um, how the founders of the company and, and its executives become became completely arrogant, believing that it was their way that was going to succeed, and everyone else was wrong. And how they trashed the iPhone and said how how could anyone ever want to use a phone that doesn't have a physical keyboard? And they dismissed the idea. Um, and, and I think if if the book does does anything it paints a picture of a company that became completely arrogant of mm. its own success and that in that arrogance was the seed of its own downfall mm. um, it's a brilliant novel uh, novel <laughs> brilliant <laughs> reads like a novel <laughs> reads like a novel but brilliant book um, that, that that and if you've got any interest in Blackberry even if you've owned a Blackberry at some point in in, in your own life it's uh, it's it's worth sort of reading this to sort of get 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 insight into the various models that they brought out and you know how, how they lost the American market be- through their arrogance um, the meetings they had with companies like Verizon hmm. um, how, how Verizon was desperate but d- didn't tell them to get iPhone on its, on its network uh, it was an exclusive initially to AT&T um, but they, they they wanted Blackberry to try and develop something that would compete directly with the iPhone while secretly they actually wanted the iPhone on their own network <laughs> and when the iPhone came they kicked Blackberry to the curb um, fascinating story of um, of arrogance really um, hmm. and highly recommended so go check that out I listened to the audible version very well read um, called Losing the Signal um, and the authors are Jackie McNish and Sean Silkoff so go check that out sounds good I'll certainly will listen to that audiobook great stuff yeah yeah mm. Well, I think that's all the time we have for this week. As always, if you have any feedback, we'd love to hear from you. The email address to use is info at techcentral.co.za. Until next time, from Rechard and myself, cheers. Ciao.